Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Life the Girl Way podcast. My name is Lily Wachuku, and I'm a teenage content creator in the girls' empowerment space and motivational speaker. Welcome to my lifestyle podcast, where we live, laugh, and learn together, all while taking life one day at a time. Without further ado, let's get into it. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to share with you an interview with the amazing Brianna Connor. Thank you, Ms. Connor, for joining us today. You are so sweet. I'm so glad that we are able to, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm glad that we're able to finally have this conversation. Ms. Connor, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I am uh, currently a news anchor and reporter with ABC 13. Uh, I anchor our three o'clock newscast and uh, report for our 10 o'clock newscast. And I've been in that role for about a year. Before that, I was in North Carolina doing the same thing for about six years. Before that, I was in Paducah, Kentucky, and I actually started my career in South Texas and Victoria. I'm from the Houston area, so it means the world to me to be back living and working in this town. And uh, I am so thrilled to, as mentioned, be able to have this conversation. I'm so excited to have you. I mean, as you just said, your career has been amazing. You've been all over the place and you've been doing amazing things everywhere you've gone. So I feel so blessed to be able to interview you. Thank you. Who inspires you and why? So that's really funny to think about. When I was, uh, I was actually working on a back to school story um, a couple of days ago and got an opportunity to go back to my high school. And they asked me if I had ever won any superlatives um, when I was going through Hightower High School back in the early 2000s. And I was actually voted, this is funny, most likely to be a millionaire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Far from that. But the reason why is because when I was a kid, I was telling everyone who would listen that I was going to be the next Oprah. And of course, Oprah has had an incredible career. She has her own network. She has done so much to advance journalism. She made the mold of what a successful talk show is. And so I aspired to be like her and have the type of influence that she had at that time, the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. I was definitely that kid that would rush home from school and put on the TV at four o'clock so I could catch the Oprah Winfrey show. So she was um, really a strong influence on me when I was a young adult. And then I would say also my mom. She was a television news journalist back in the 70s. And I've never been able to watch any of her work, but I just grew up knowing that my mom and I were so similar. I thought anything that she did and was good at would likely be a good match for me as well. My gosh, that is so inspiring, not only with Oprah, but with your mom and just having it be something that runs in the family and something that both of you are so good at. That's just, you know, it's rare and it's exciting. Yeah, it was really neat to be able to grow up and kind of see how her talents made room for her and her career and how uh, she kind of explored her industry and, and kind of just try to copycat some of those own things in my life. So as you've been telling me, you've had an amazing career trajectory. Can you tell us some of the most impactful or memorable moments? Yeah, I would say my first big story, the first one that I always 
think of and talk about is uh, when I was in my first market, it was a small market, it was Victoria, Texas, but there was a lot of good that happened in that town. And I remember one of the most impactful stories I ever got to cover was for a veteran who returned home from, um, I believe it was Iraq or Afghanistan, and he had a wife and two little girls, and they were just having a hard time. And there was a local furniture store in town. It wasn't a big chain. It was a, you know, mom and pop owned furniture store that got in cahoots with myself and this man's family. And they all arranged to have them kind of away on a little vacation for a few days. And then I was able to document the process of people going in totally redoing his home to fit the needs for him and give each one of his girls their own bedroom, their own beds, nice furniture. And when they came back to town, we were able to be there and catch the surprise on his face, the gratitude they had for what the community and this furniture store had done for them. It was one of the best moments that I've ever been able to be a part of. It felt so good to be able to cover that story and tell that story. Whenever journalism gets really hard, I think, and when we have to tell stories that don't have that hope element in them, I think of what I was able to cover in Victoria. And it really helps me remember um, that there are a lot of good things that happen in the world despite um, the crime and the terror and the war and the things that we typically have to talk about. So that is super memorable for me. I've also been able to cover a few big events uh, like floods and hurricanes, of course. Uh, I wasn't here for Hurricane Harvey, but I covered Hurricane Floyd along the North Carolina coast. Um, Excuse me, was it Floyd? I believe it was. It it was one of the Fs, and it happened just a few years ago, and we actually got stranded um, in a part of North Carolina that was cut off from the rest of the state by the flood uh, because it was so uh, intense, and so that was a lot of hard work um, to cover that. came back to my mind, thankfully. It was Hurricane Florence um, that hit the North Carolina coast, and we got cut off um, on, on the coast from the entire rest of the state. And so that was a big challenge because they literally had to have the Air Force start flying in food and supplies um, so that we could continue our work and so that the people living there could continue to uh, eat and be fed. And so that is an experience I'll never forget. Um, I spent some time in South Carolina covering the Mother Emanuel Church shooting and then after that, the funeral service for the Reverend Clemente, who was killed. And then after that, the lowering of the Confederate flag over the South Carolina State House. That was an event that I would never forget. And then since then, I've covered two more mass shootings in my career. Um, lots of big events that felt very big at the time and that I still reflect on, you know, as time goes on to to pull meaning from them, because a lot of those things are still extremely relevant even now. So um, I've had quite a few milestone stories. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I think that response just really shows how much really goes into your career. It's not something where it's just, you know, sitting down and, and, you know, reading from 
uh, a screen. You're actually going out there and you're experiencing really real things that most people, myself included, would not go anywhere near. You do have your share of really nice things like that heartwarming story with the veteran, but also just the, the sheer amount of danger and the sadness that you've had to experience in your career. It's just very amazing, you know, how much really goes into showing up to work every day. You're absolutely right. This is not a career for the faint of heart. Um, (laughs) Kind of like, uh, you know, when something bad happens, first responders, including journalists as first responders, are the ones who run toward the scene while everyone else for safety and for several reasons run away. We run toward what's happening so that we can be there to document and tell the story so people know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's really a career that, you know, you we the public has to be grateful for because if not, we would none of us would know what's going on. So I cannot thank you enough for the work you're doing there. Oh, you're sweet. I appreciate that. I was wondering, how did your career begin? Like, you know, in college, I know you touched on the fact that you were inspired by your mom as well. She had gone before you in this. But, you know, how did it really how did you really get on your feet? Was it with classes or professors anyway? Right. So when I went to uh, the University of Texas in Austin, um, I knew I wanted to study journalism, but I wasn't actually accepted into the journalism program. I wasn't accepted into the journalism school. I went in as a freshman and was defaulted into the liberal arts school. So after about a year um, on campus, I had to apply for an internal transfer to get into the communication school. And then from there, I had to just start taking a journalism classes like the fundamentals the basics j101 is is what it was called and then um as i kind of started getting a feeling for what that coursework was like i was able um i think maybe as a junior to apply for what was called my upper division track and that's when i was able to select broadcast out of a couple different um options it was like newspaper magazine television broadcast and radio i think and so i was able to select broadcast and that's when I started doing um, kind of the the foundation, the basic work um, that kind of helped me understand and learn what the profession is about. So they actually gave us cameras and tripods and we had to pitch stories and we had to put on a newscast um, as a class. I think it was maybe a weekly or bi-weekly newscast. Um, But I worked on that my senior year. And then um, anyone interested in this career should definitely, definitely do an internship if they can their junior or senior year with a new station. I wound up getting on with, um, I believe it was a woman who had a private kind of broadcasting company that she was trying to get off the ground to focus on politics in Austin at the time. So I never got to do an internship with like ABC or CBS or anything like that. Um, but that would have been really helpful to my career. A lot of my friends did. So after the experience that I had with the kind of the small business owner, broadcast blog maker, and uh, in school, I graduated with what we call a demo reel. And a demo reel at that time, you'll laugh, was just a little DVD (laughs) with (laughs) of our work put together. Now it's like a link, right? It's like on YouTube. It lives online. But it was a physical DVD at that time. And I remember making copies of that and making copies of my resume and my headshot and going to like Kinko's and putting everything in mailers and sending them out to news stations and news directors all across the country that had openings. 
and I think the only place I got a call back from was Victoria. <laughs> and so I went down there. Fortunately, it was just a couple of hours, you know, south of Houston. Went down there and interviewed with the news director, and I actually was able to start my first position as a sports reporter, an anchor. And so I worked uh, down at the crossroads for about a year and a half doing that, and I dipped my toe in news as well, had the opportunity to do that, and really enjoyed that area of uh, television broadcasting, and then really just continued in news with a little bit of sports from here and there. I mentioned that I was able to cover the Super Bowl run with the Carolina Panthers. Um, but yeah, mainly the focus has been news, both reporting and anchoring, since I was able to land that first job in Victoria. That's just, it's amazing. And I mean, it's, you speak so humbly, but it's just, it's something that just starting from the very institution that you attended, you know, going to the University of Texas at Austin, first and foremost, it's not an easy school to get into. And then your determination to keep pushing towards the program that you wanted to get into when, let's be honest, a lot of people would just stay where they were put just because it takes a lot to get to where you're going, especially if you don't automatically get into there. So that's just amazing how you kept going and then the hard work that's involved in making sure you had your demo reel and interning and all of that. So that's inspiring. That really is, that's truly amazing. Were you ever afraid that you couldn't achieve your dream, your career goals? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of, um, a lot of times in this industry, people tell you no. At the end of the day, uh, television news is still a, a performance-based industry, right? It's it's how you look on air. It's how you deliver your stories on air. A lot of it, of course, is still your talent behind the scenes and your kind of doggedness to ask questions and get answers. But then you have to be able to present that information. And there's a lot of times people tell you no, but all you need really is one yes. So I knew that I always wanted to come back, live and work in Houston. That was my big goal. That was my big dream. And I got a lot of no's <laughs> before I finally got a news director to say, yes, I want to give you that opportunity, Brianna. I want to bring you home. I want to let you live and work in the place where you've always dreamed. And so with the way the industry has changed, even since I got into it, you know, in 2010, I was concerned for sure about whether I fit the direction the industry was going, whether I'd be able to keep up and ultimately whether I would ever get the opportunity to do what I loved back in the city, as they say, you know, the city that raised me. So I am very grateful at the end of the day that I was given that opportunity. And I'm grateful too, because I get to see, I get to see the work that you're doing. And to know how much it took it was a journey. So I mentioned all those cities and those states that I that my career has taken me through. It was definitely a long journey for me. It took 11 years on the road working to get the journey to bring me back home. That's a lifetime and it takes a lot of determination, like you said, because that's, that's no cakewalk, that's for sure. And Lily, I'll tell you, I thought about leaving the industry several times. Oh Several God. times I thought about doing something else, anything else, um, because when it comes to broadcast in particular, a lot of things have to line up for you to be able to work where you want. Right. So there has to be an opening. First of all, that opening has to line up with the timing of when your contract because we're contract based workers, when your contract uh, is up. So if you sign for two years 
then at the end of those two years, there magically, hopefully, has to be a position open and a place where you want to go work. And then they have to have a need for somebody like you, somebody who does what you do, somebody who looks like you do. And so all of that, for all of that to line up and for me to be ready, yeah, it took it took over a decade. And I wanted to give up a lot of the times, but I'm, I'm grateful that I did not for whatever reason. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. And I, I just love the way that you phrased that and broke it down into every single increment just to show that there is so much that goes into it. It's not just, OK, I've graduated. Now the world is full of job openings for me. No, you really had to, you know, cross your fingers and keep staying sharp and keep staying relevant. Um, I understand that the portfolio has to stay fresh as well. You can't just come in with, you know, um, decades old work only. You have to keep being interesting. Yes. Um, so you touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to ask, you know, your career is very public facing. How do you maintain a good work-life balance and do you have any tips? Do you know, that is probably an area where I still really struggle. I keep my cell phone on me at all times. <laughs> you never know when breaking news <laughs> is going to happen. And I happen to be a breaking news lover. Um, I, I dedicate a lot of my time to my career. I've worked really hard for it. And I think as as mentioned in this conversation, I've sacrificed a lot for it. So this is an area where I know I could use um, some work and some fine tuning. Now that I'm back really wanting to have more of a balance so that I can spend some time with my family and spend some time with friends that I've had since high school and still fulfill um, those career aspirations that I do have that I brought here. So that is definitely a delicate dance and I'm kind of learning as I go. And my number one thing up until this point has been always say yes. Hmm. And saying yes has afforded me a lot of opportunities to cover some really cool, interesting stories. Uh, my news director's would always come to me because they know I was going to say yes. And at the time, early in my career, it wasn't a problem. I didn't have a family. I didn't have other obligations, really. So it was fine for me to always say yes. And it helped me, honestly, get the experience and the reps and the chops that I needed to work in a market like Houston. But now that I'm here, Lily, I'm learning to say no sometimes. And it's still not often, <laughs> but... I'm learning that sometimes I have to put other things first. My career comes first, certainly often, but now it's not always. I've got to learn um, when it's important to say no. And that's the advice that I would give. Take stock of your own life. Think about what's important to you and think about what you want and what it's going to take to get what you want. And then figure out when is appropriate for you to say no sometimes yeah that's some really good advice because yeah it just seems like like you said you really had to like in the beginning of your career you really a lot is really dependent on saying yes and being flexible and being available but it must be it must have been really difficult to start making that switch to where it's like yes okay, you know because you, because you know how far saying yes got you so I, I feel like mentally it's just like one of those things where it's hard to make that switch you're absolutely right but I'm working on it. I'm working. <laughs> Baby steps. Um, so um, you touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, who would you recommend your career to? You know, what kind of person, kinds of interests? Um, I would recommend this career 
anybody who is naturally curious to anyone who believes in the American ideal of democracy, right? Because we know journalism is the fourth estate. None of this works without an informed electorate and an informed public, right? So uh, anyone who believes in what this country stands for and that it can still work. Um, for anyone who's not afraid to work hard and sacrifice and I think the benefit, uh, I don't know if this part was recorded, but I think the benefit truly is being able to come home on a daily basis and know, be assured that what you do every day, what you're contributing to society means something and you have the potential every day to make a difference. Yeah, that's just, it's amazing and you can't, it's just, I mean, wow. <laughs> Watch my vocabulary fail me. Um, There's a few jobs out there like this, but I mean, it's just, it's very unique to work that you want to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I think being a young woman, um, you know, initially, and of course being a young woman of color, there is definitely a challenge in leaving home and moving to these small American towns to work without knowing anybody, without having necessarily a support system there, um, truly going out on your own uh, to a new place, a foreign place, and uh, all you have is your job. So that definitely presents challenges that I've had to face and overcome. And you have to work to find a community uh, wherever you're, wherever you are, if it's someplace far from home. And so I had to uh, brush up on those friend-making skills uh, in every new market where you kind of touch down and don't know anybody and don't know necessarily if it's safe for you there at first. So that was one of the more difficult things involved in this career uh, that I can think of just off the top of my head. Mm -hmm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um has anyone ever discouraged you from pursuing your career? And if so, how did you find the motivation to continue? Yeah, you know, I don't think I'll say discouraged, uh, but it's definitely, I've had friends, mentors, people familiar with the business, people in the business who have said, is this what you really want to do? And it's not that they are trying to be negative. It's that they wanted to tell me the truth of, of what this career field requires and then allow me to do some really deep thinking and make my own choices and make my own decisions. Um, one thing that I hadn't mentioned is that this is not a career where you're able to make um, a decent living first you know initially things have gotten a little bit better uh, but this is nobody does this to get rich <laughs> nobody does this to get rich quick and so that's a challenge in and of itself and a lot of people when you get to talking will say you know what you can you can do a lot of other things you have a lot of skills and you can do a lot of other things that Im don't involve working nights weekends holidays for very little pay and so that's been, um, most of the times when I've considered jumping out of the industry, it's been because I've been thinking along those terms, like what else could I do that could provide me, you know, sometimes just a better life. And so um, I like to say that 
journalism broadcast news. It's kind of like a virus, and I haven't been able to shut it yet. It's still it's still in me, but um, it, it's like an infection. I can't shake it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something that you really do have to be passionate about because it's not something that you just stick in just because. For sure, you, if if you want to, if you're somebody who wants to be on television, um, and that's the reason why you get into broadcast news, you won't last very long. You'll find out there are not a lot of benefits about solely just being on TV. Thank you. Um, what advice would you give to girls and women that want to pursue their goals but might be afraid of failure? Yeah, failure is not necessarily a bad thing. I think we have to try to take the negative connotation uh, away from that word for a second to look at every mistake, every backtrack as an opportunity to learn. Um, I don't like being wrong. I don't like, you know, quote unquote failure. But I think if we give ourselves a second to digest what's happened and figure out how we can learn from it, um, I think there's a lot of power in that. And I'll tell you one thing, I have made some mistakes in my career, but I am one that I will not make the same mistake twice. So you take that failure, you learn from it, and you don't do it again. Thank you. That's definitely very inspiring and seems like really good advice. Um, So my final question is, which advice would you give to those that are entering college for the first time, whether it be social advice, academic, lifestyle, etc.? My advice, this is what my mom told me when I got ready to go to school, and I think it served her well when she was in college. It served me well when I was in school, and it is work hard and play hard. That's the balance, right? So I had an amazing time in Austin. I had a great time while I was in school, but I also showed up to class the next day. (laughs) I did not miss a party, and I did not miss class. And so that advice and that attitude really carried me through UT to have an incredible experience and to graduate with honors. I think, as mentioned, you know, if you can show up to the party Thursday night, Thursday nights are so fun in college, um, but if you can show up there, then you can show up to class at 8 o'clock Friday morning. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for that advice. I am just so grateful that you were able to grant me this interview. I think that it will just be really inspiring to everyone that goes ahead and listens to it. I hope so. I hope so. It's been a treat uh, to be able to speak with you, Lily, and I love everything that you're doing with uh, your Live Like a Girl project. Thank you, ma'am.